Hey, 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 welcome to the Pastor Dude's podcast from sunny Sarasota, Florida. But so glad to be here and uh, trying to podcast my little brains out and get the word of God out. Thank you for tuning me in. Uh, I went over 28,000 downloads a couple days ago, got lots of new listeners, and I'm so thankful that many of you help me as you share uh, my podcast with your friends and so want to be a blessing. Today, I call my thoughts Raising Kids in a Godless World. The question I've heard a hundred times from older believers who, number one, know the prophecies of Scripture, and number two, stay acutely aware of what is going on in the world. Their question, what about my grandkids? I'm not in fear of COVID, they say, or I'm not afraid of their mandates. I'm not afraid of suffering for Christ. I'm not afraid of heaven for sure, but I am concerned about my grandkids. Nearly the same question just came to me from a mid-20s engineer, newly married, newly saved, and growing like a weed, uh, growing stronger in his faith and biblical knowledge every day. His question, and it's a great question, and I take it to heart. Do I bring children into this evil world or not? And I understand the implications and the fears and the doubts that would cause someone to ask that question. We're going to dig into this topic from a biblical, a historic, and prophetic uh, viewpoint. But I begin first with this powerful reminder that God loves your kids, God loves your grandkids more than you and I do. Biblically, He has given angels charge over these little ones. It would be better for a millstone to be hung around one's neck and be cast into the sea than to hurt one of God's little ones. Soon after the exodus, the Jews, whose faith had flown right out of the window, they falsely accused Moses and God that, you just brought us out here into the wilderness to kill them and to kill our children. Uh, God was listening to that, and that accusation angered God, and he brought up that same uh, false accusation to that generation several times throughout the book of Exodus. Oh, you accuse me of being a child killer? It really angered God. He brought it up over and over again. God showed them exactly the opposite. He was a child deliverer. God drew a line in the sand and said, no one over 20 years of age will go into the promised land except Joshua and Caleb, and no one under 20 would die in the wilderness. God kept that promise to the letter. The 40-year wandering in the wilderness wasn't fun. It wasn't easy for that generation of young people. But what a generation it was. That generation got to see God do greater works than probably any nation that ever lived. They walked through those parted waters. They ate manna from heaven every day. They saw water flow from the rock. They saw the mountain quake. They saw those tables of stone that Moses brought down. Oh, it wasn't an easy generation to live in, but it was a great one. I think there might be some parallels with what we're facing today. There clearly is, from that Bible story, an age of reason, sometimes called the age of accountability. In Exodus, it was 20. 
Theologians have wrestled for years on what that age might be. Some have suggested age 12 as the Christ child told his parents, don't you know that I must be about my father's business? I've worked throughout the years much in the, with the mentally handicapped. Scripture calls them the feeble-minded. I believe hell has never heard the cry of a child or of one of the feeble-minded. Jesus' words further comfort me on that topic when he said, Suffer the little children to come unto me and forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of God. Unless you become as a child and believe, you won't enter into the kingdom. That comforts me. I would take a bullet between my eyes, standing on the faith, the belief from the scriptures that hell has never heard the cry of a child. That's another podcast. We sing the little song. He's got the itsy bitsy babies in his hands. Is that true or not? I know it's true. And I also believe that every aborted child is with our Lord in heaven. Every miscarried and stillborn child is already having a better eternity than any of us listening to this podcast. I see in Judah's fall into captivity with the Babylonians that Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego rose up. They didn't just do okay in Babylon under harsh conditions. They became national leaders. I see the Jews who yielded to Jeremiah's teaching fared well as they surrendered and went into Babylonian captivity where Nebuchadnezzar had uh, mercy upon them. They built houses, they planted vineyards, and they fared sumptuously. All the while, the people who did not listen to Jeremiah's preaching stayed in the land, defied the workings of uh, Babylon. They killed the Babylonian puppet king, and uh, they didn't fare so well. And their children suffered way worse than the obedient Jews who went into that captivity. So I'm always pulling from the scriptures, what did God do in the past in hard times concerning the children? And it's always the same. Uh, They did fine. God was with them. Daniel didn't just uh, make it. He, He became Daniel. He became the as it were, the prime minister leading the way under Nebuchadnezzar. And when and, and Babylon fell to Persia, he became the leader under the Persian kings as well. So God was with the children in their hardest times. I learned from all of that. Don't ever underestimate the power of godly, obedient parents to protect and shelter their beloved children, even in the hardest of times. Don't forget, God loves them more than you do. You know, when I superimpose God's word over the absolute worst of the world's historic events, I see exceeding grace always there concerning the children. Think about it. To the Jewish children who died in the Holocaust, how horrible. I wish that never happened. But eternally secure is each one of them. None of them were lost. Hell has never heard the cry of a child all the while, had they not died in the Holocaust, they would have grown up in those Jewish homes, Jewish Christ-rejecting homes. Had there been no Holocaust, most of those eternally saved Jewish children would probably have grown up in the unbelief of their parents and probably wouldn't be singing glory, hallelujah, in heaven as we speak. There seems to be no end of the depths 
of the de- depravity that man has uh, inflicted upon other men throughout history. What man is willing to do to their fellow man is horrific. When they vie for power, when they fight to gain that power, when they're in power. But Jesus' love for children is the silver lining to all those horrific events of human depravity and human history. Hell has never heard the cry of a child. While in heaven, the praise of those children who had to suffer during those horrific times, their praise will reign in heaven for eternity. Grace is always greater than all of man's sins. And special eternal grace to all the children who suffered and died in man's darkest of days. None of those kids will be complaining in heaven. Sure wish those horrific events never would have happened, but they did. But they made it to heaven by the grace of God. Because Jesus loves the little children of the world. Red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. Switching gears for a moment now to what... Uh, The world is thinking and saying on this topic, a loud voice in American political arena today is Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez AOC. She has said the world will no longer be inhabitable for human existence with only eight more years on her fatalistic countdown. She has so bought into what I believe is a lie of the devil about global warming. She is choosing to have no children. She recommends her generation to follow her lead for three reasons. Number one, to help in population reduction, which is Satan's plan, trumpeted now by Al Gore and uh, the World Health Organization. Number two, reduce carbon emissions. And number three, to keep potential children from suffering. And that certainly is a noble cause. But you see, she completely eliminates the God factor. God is not in any part of her mind or her position. She is biblically illiterate. Whereas I and my family in Christ, God is the determining factor for everything. We embrace his word without apology. We want God to actually make our decisions for us, and we simply follow his lead. We know that Al Gore is no prophet, and climate change has zero bearing on end times events. God has told us long ago, our main human responsibility is to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. That's a God mandate. He is creator and blessed mankind with the procreative ability. Angels in heaven were created as a host. Bang, one and done, created. No male, uh, no female, as it were. No baby angels, no aunt and uncle angels, no cousin angels. All one time, all one gender, always in scripture, referred to in the masculine gender. They do not know uh, experientially about fathering, mothering, and sibling relationships. They can only observe. They have some awesome experiences, I'm sure, living in heaven all these years, having a direct access to God visibly, as we do not. And yet the procreative ability is a sacred gift God gave exclusively to mankind and not to angels. Children are God's sweetest and sometimes most difficult gifts to mankind. God has eternal purposes in believers having children. 
Let me say that again. God has eternal purposes in believers having children. God bragged on Abraham saying, I know he would raise up children of faith. (laughs) God's all into this. 45 years ago, I thought my world was horrible, and it was, but I brought three children into this world anyway. I did it by faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. I did so not just to know the joy and responsibility of parenting, but to raise up godly spiritual warriors for Christ who would make a difference in their generation. It was a faith decision, not a sight decision. It was faith over fear. All three of my kids are glad to be alive. I'm so glad we brought them into the world. The biblical parenting principles that we practiced all through the years worked well. Our kids became leaders, all married well, all pillars in their churches. One daughter in full-time Christian ministry, one granddaughter, my firstborn granddaughter, off to Bible college this fall, and her younger brother, just one year behind her, feeling led to be a worship leader going off to a Bible music school the following fall makes Papa proud. Proverbs tells us children are an heritage of the Lord and happy is the man who has his quiver full. My son and daughter-in-law have a five, three, and one-year-old <laughs> and they live upstairs from us and boy, does it make life interesting and does it make life fun for Papa and uh, they renamed grandma's name to Mia. I'll call her Mia for the rest of our time today. The five-year-old just received Christ into her heart as personal Lord and Savior three nights ago. Woohoo! Hallelujah for that. They have been sheltered from this evil world, not raised on Disney occult orientation, shielded medically from excessive vaccinations, not all vax, but some that we deem um, dangerous. They're growing up with singing, singing fun and godly songs, memorizing scripture, hiding God's word in their heart that they might not sin against God, exposed to only godly influence as much as possible with their little peers and the parents of their peers being godly people. They have a daddy who wrestles with them when it's time to wrestle and sings to them and tucks them into bed each night with warm daily reviews. How was your day? What was the funnest thing? Who's on your heart to pray for tonight? And ending each day with praise and worship. Not just a prayer, but singing and worshiping, praising God each night before they go to bed. These kids are living on a little farm, loving little chicks and rabbits. They are seeing and eating God's bounty straight from the land. Hand to mouth as they pick raspberries from Papa's uh, plants. They are getting tons of love from godly aunts, uncles, cousins, Papa and Mia, Nano and Nana. That's Italian for Grandma and Grandpa. They're growing up in the nucleus of their churches. They are learning to love as they have been loved unconditionally. They live in an awesome world. They are learning also about the devil and all his tricks. They are growing up with a biblical worldview. They are learning right from wrong. They are learning there are consequences to disobedience and bad choices. They have parents who practice what they preach. They have role models in their parents, their grandparents, their aunts, uncles, and older cousins. They are being 
challenged to be all they can be for God's glory, to find their talents, what they like, what they're interested in, and steered in those directions with all of the fervor and might and joy of their parents and extended family. They are learning from their parents, their family, their church leaders, and scripture about the worldly evils that lurk around them. They are learning about their own fallen, depraved, selfish natures and to learn to say, I'm sorry, and ask forgiveness, make wrong things right. And all the while, even in this pathetic world that they live in, they are bringing huge joy to their parents, grandparents, and extended families. They are being prepared to face off with this evil world one day, to go out into this world pure, to go out powerful, to go out with strong convictions and make uh, a difference in their generation, not to just get a job, but to go out and make a difference, to be the Christian leaders of their time. What a joy that is. AOC didn't talk my daughter-in-law out of having children. We take our orders from the Lord and not from politicians. We are in this world, but we're not of it. God has carved out our little havens of rest amidst the chaos of our times. God will be with the little ones just as he was with Papa and Mia, just like he was with Mommy and Daddy. They, too, will be more than conquerors through Christ who loves them. They are finding out Jesus is bigger than the boogeyman. We have publicly and privately dedicated them to God and his service. We know now, and they will soon know themselves, that greater is he who is in us than he that is in the world. I do believe evil men and seducers will wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But we can lock most of that outside of our homes. To me, the decision is a simple faith versus fear decision to have kids, even in these unprecedented times. It seems to me if in fear we choose not to have kids, we are already surrendering to fear and will be of no further threat to the enemy. Man, I want to be a burr in the devil's saddle. I want to raise up godly seed, godly grandkids, and godly great-grandkids. Two times in my ministry travels, I saw what was happening in the news and understanding things prophetically, and I chose not to go because of pending political issues and potential horrific conditions. Both times, I wish I had gone. Both times, I felt like a fool because I did not, and I made resolution in my heart never to make fear-driven decisions again. Now, I realize that verse says, God has not given us a spirit of fear. And the last part of the verse says, but power and of love and a sound mind. Some may say, well, a sound mind would say you have no kids because it's going to be too rough of a world for them to be part of. But I would remind you that it was an omniscient all-knowing mind who told us to be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. I say God is bigger than any historic or prophetic event.
I do believe my grandkids will face worse conditions than I have, but I think they will come forth as gold. They have had more poured into them in the days of their youth than I did. I had nothing pumped into me as a child except filth of this world, filthy language, immorality. They've got a much better start in life than I did. But God's grace was sufficient for me, and I believe his grace will be sufficient for them. I believe their faith will make them difference makers in the last day's church. Even if times become horrific, God loves them more than I do. David wrote in the Psalms, I've been young, I've been old, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. God showed himself mighty, providing a table for me and my wife, Joellen, in the wilderness of New York church planting back in the day. He provided all of our needs uh, miraculously. That's five more podcasts. He showed himself mighty in the lives of my kids. Oh, how exciting it was for me to hear my daughter Leah say, Dad, all I've ever seen God be is awesome, taking care of every need of you and mom. I know he'll be awesome for me to take care of her and her husband in the early days of their marriage. Nothing has thrilled my heart more than seeing God show himself mighty in the lives of my kids, their callings, their vocations. I believe Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I would let AOC, Al Gore, the globalists, the BLM, Antifa, the World Health Organization, the CDC, the New York State government, or the Biden administration, or Dr. Fauci himself have zero, zero voice in any of my personal decisions about life, liberty, or the pursuit of happiness. I hope I said that emphatically because I feel that. I would choose to have a family commit everything to God for his glory. Motives are everything here. And trust God for the very best. We have all had our personal hard times, yet in Christ, we learn from them. We grew through them. I would rather have had a hard life than to have had no life at all. When I look into the beautiful eyes of my kids and my grandkids now, my heart is thrilled. My soul is full. To think that Joanne and I brought these three eternal beings into the world, and they have brought eight more into this world, plus little Caleb Michael Herget, who's already in heaven, full-term stillborn Michael. He's just as alive and real as the grandkids we have here. Oh, what exceeding joy with eternal relationships. Think about Mary. She will ever be the earthly mother of Jesus, whom she watched nailed to a cross. Her heart broke. But three days later, he rose, and Mary was glad to have borne the Christ child. I'm sure if she had opportunity, she'd do it all over again. I'm so glad she surrendered to that call from Gabriel to conceive a child outside of wedlock. She was ridiculed, put down, falsely accused of being immoral. And you know and I know that she was very pure. She was willing to conceive and bear baby Jesus. Thank you, Mary. Can't wait to uh, give you a hug in heaven. And thank you for that on the other side. 
I've seen my kids lead others to Christ. Oh, what joy that is. And now I've got two grandkids uh, heading off to ministry training. I didn't do everything right parenting. I did not do everything right grandparenting, that's for sure. But God was greater than all of my stupidity. I'll close with a sacred moment from my firstborn daughter, Leah, just returned from a mission trip to Mexico uh, as she was ready to launch into her junior year of high school. They had just gotten back on a bus that barely ran, no air conditioning, all the way through Texas and Mexico. She gets home. uh, She says, Dad, we have to have a talk. And I came home. We sat down together one-on-one. She looked me in the eye. She said, Dad, I just got back from third world conditions. Dad, I've grown up in a uh, the transparent home, the you know glass house, if you please, of a pastor where so many people are watching how we live, everything we do. She says, you need to understand something, Dad. I will never go into the ministry. My heart sank. And then she smiled real big. She set me up. She said with a smile, I'm staying in the ministry. It's the only thing I've ever known. It's the only thing I want. I'm staying in. She lived according to that promise. She went off to Word of Life Bible Institute, met her husband, Chad, and they they have uh, been part of a church plant out of our church. He's served as executive pastor for the last 19 years, and it's their daughter going into ministry. As my daughter Leah never broke our trust, her daughter has never broke their trust and her son also preparing to do music ministry to be a worship leader. Oh, my goodness. God is faithful. We don't do everything right, but we do it with all of our heart. We violate God's word, but when we do, the Spirit convicts us. We say we're sorry. We confess it to God. He forgives us, and we make it right with people. And just living by these simple principles as a parent, And as children towards our parents, these eternal principles work. And I hear people all around me asking this question, should I have kids in the midst of this world? With all of my heart, I say, yes, don't let the devil talk you out of something so sacred. Trust God through it. And uh, don't lean to your own understanding or what this world is telling you. Don't live by fear. Just trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean to your own understanding, but in all of your ways, acknowledge him and he'll bring it to pass. So, hey, thanks for joining me again, Pastor Duke Podcast. And it's my way of getting the gospel out in this COVID-riddled world. Looks like it's uh, maybe easing up a little bit after two years. Are you kidding me? Oh, the devil's got something else up his sleeve, but we're on the winning team. Jesus is coming. He'll take us home. We're out of here and we win. Keep your hand on the plow. Keep your eyes on him. Love one another fervently. Bye-bye for now. God bless.